Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. For a lot of Americans, the 2020s already feel like a grueling decade, and we're only six months in. While that narrative will take some time to be written, photojournalists, like today's guest, are already out there documenting the lived experience of Americans suffering through COVID-19, participating in protests, and navigating the uncertain waters of an economic crisis. She's Maddie McGarvey, this week on Story in the Public Square. Story in the Public Square, where storytelling meets public affairs. I'm Jim Lutis from the Pell Center at Salve Regina University. Joining me as he does every week is my great friend and co-host, G. Wayne Miller of the Providence Journal. Every week, we sit down with the best storytellers around to try to make sense of the big narratives shaping public life in the United States today. This week, we're joined by an accomplished and award-winning photojournalist, Maddie McGarvey. Maddie, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. You know, so we've all been uh, adjusting and trying to uh, uh, adapt to this new normal. Uh, here we are, instead of uh, being in a studio, we're, we're all uh, joining from our home offices. Uh, I wonder, uh, how has the life of a photojournalist uh, been changed by the pandemic? Um, pretty much entirely. <laughs> I, uh, I did not think this is what 2020 was going to be like. I thought I would be on the campaign trail nonstop and, you know, in huge crowds of people and at rallies. And I'm learning to just never expect <laughs> what you think a year is going to be like, because it could change in an instant. So it really is uh, an interesting time we live in right now. Were you, were, you, were you going to be actually embedded in a particular campaign or were you just going to be, you know, going where the stories took you? Well, probably since last May or March, um, I was on the campaign trail. I was in Iowa every few months just with all the different candidates, Kamala Harris, Kirsten Gillibrand, um, Pete Buttigieg, Joe Biden, um, you name them, I was following them around. Um, and, you know, I was actually on the campaign trail with Joe Biden in February um, in South Carolina when this coronavirus thing really started to become serious um, and, and hitting the United States. And that's kind of when everything changed. Um, I remember there was a question in a press gaggle. Um, so one of the reporters asked Joe Biden, uh, President Trump says that coronavirus is a hoax. What do you think of that? And that was one of the questions that stopped him in the tracks. And since then, I was just, I, I, that was kind of my cue that life was gonna change. Um, and it did very shortly after. So you live in Columbus, Ohio, Maddie, and that clearly during the pandemic is your home base. Talk a little bit about what kind of range you have in terms of, of going through Columbus 
or outside of Columbus, and then we'll get into uh, some of the, the images you've captured and some of the stories you've told with your photojournalism. Yeah, so I'm based here in Columbus, Ohio, um, but I'm often covering any state that touches Ohio, West Virginia, um, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Indiana, Indiana, Kentucky. Um, I'm always on the road. I probably put 40,000 miles um, on my car every single year driving to different places. Um, but, you know, I love covering stories that are based here in the Midwest or in the, in the Rust Belt. I love working on stories in my backyard, in my community. Um, I care so much about my community and I'm, I'm hoping that shows in the photos I take. Are you able to get to some of the neighboring states now with the pandemic? I mean, obviously you can drive and come back, but I'm guessing you can't really stay overnight or maybe I'm wrong about that. Tell us where you can go. It's definitely changed. Uh, recently, it's it's a little bit more local. Um, I will, you know, preferably drive seven, eight hours in a day to end up back at home to sleep in my own bed, just, you know, for safety reasons. Um, I take a lot of precaution wearing PPE when I'm doing my photo shoots. Uh, you know, I, I try to stay as distant as possible. I disinfect all my gear when I get home from shoots. So it's really, it really has changed the way um, in which I work. Um, you've just had to adjust. I, you know, most photojournalists get into this profession to get, um, you know, intimate photos of people and stories. And, and so the fact that we have to do most of these shoots outside are covered in this kind of uh, scary gear, um, you know, it's just, it's changed, but it's always better to be safe than sorry. So, um, and this is such an important story to tell. So you just have to kind of get creative. You know, I was, I was struck, you know, there was a period, it feels like, you know, at, at least where we are uh, taping, where, where Wayne and I are taping this from in the Northeast, that uh, things are beginning to loosen up a little bit. I think other parts of the country are, are at different spots on that reopening curve. But I remember uh, one of the, one of the images that you shot as you were traveling around Ohio, uh, you talked about uh, just an era of uneasiness uh, that permeated the places that you went. I wonder if you could talk to us about that, that uh, sort of at the peak of the pandemic, at least this wave of the pandemic, uh, what, what was it that you felt when you were out photographing? Um, you know, really sort of just felt like kind of an out of body dystopian feeling. Um, everywhere you looked, these signs were saying, you know, social distance, keep apart, wash your hands, stay home. Um, you know, it, it seemingly happened overnight. So there was just such a sense of unease. Um, I live in a very vibrant city and to see the streets empty, um, you know, to see everyone that, you know, you saw just kind of scurrying, you know, next to each other, six feet apart with masks on. Um, I, you know, especially in Ohio, I've been sort of focusing on the economic impact. Um, so it was a lot of like boarded up uh, restaurants and bars and shops and people who are, terrified of losing their business and and what that's going to mean for our long-term future um, and trying to capture that and uh and you know we're still in the middle of it i think it's it's hard to realize that we're still in the middle of this pandemic because most of the restaurants have opened up but um i think this is a story we're going to be working on for for years to come and if i could just follow up on that another one of the images that really stayed with me uh, was a, a, a picture of a of a woman who uh was facing eviction uh, because uh, she was no longer able to pay uh, her mortgage or her, or her rent. Uh, talk to us about the economic uh, impacts that you've been able to witness and document through your photojournalism. Yeah, I mean, um, the eviction story is 
very disturbing and extremely prevalent. Um, I'm actually working on a personal project now um, following people who are evicted in the middle of this pandemic when you're told to shelter in place, stay at home as much as you can. And at least here in Columbus, they have converted our convention center, one of our largest event spaces, into eviction court because they have so many cases um, that they want to push through the system right now. So that means thousands of people could be facing eviction when we're all told we need to stay at home. <laughs> so, I mean, those stories are just going to rise. Um, homelessness is going to rise. It. I. I did a story even on um, you know a a. a drug and alcohol counselor and and she was just talking about how many so many people are struggling with addiction again and they can't have their group meetings or they couldn't have their group meetings and how that's going to affect people so it really is going to touch so many parts of our social structures that story on eviction it, it was you know brilliantly photographed it ran in the new york times um and you mentioned this this drug counseling or this drug counseling who are some of the other people, and we don't need names necessarily, but types of people that you have been photographing during the, the pandemic? Um, I photographed a woman whose husband died of COVID in prison. Um, he had a five-year sentence, but, you know, came down with COVID, wasn't given proper treatment, and, you know, that turned into a death sentence. Um, I photographed um, you know, people facing eviction, like we talked about, um, people who are already homeless and how they're sheltering, um, but like really hard to social distance when you're in a homeless shelter. Um, just the need for, for people that are visiting the food bank that never have before or need more assistance because this is really affecting not only people who kind of already needed those programs, but there's a lot of new people who economically are struggling. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a lot of what I've been doing. I'm not so much in, you know, hospitals. I'm not really, I'm not photographing people on ventilators, but I'm photographing how this has really have, um, affected other parts of our society. We had recently on the show, Dr. Daniela Lamas, who is an author, a screenwriter, but most importantly, at least during the pandemic, a critical care doctor at Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston. She was on the front lines, has been, still is on the front lines. A question we asked her was how it affects her emotionally. And granted, you're not in a hospital, but you're seeing stories of, of, of suffering and, and, and misery. And, and how are you handling that in terms of your own mental health and, and your own emotions? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And I think it's something that um, journalists don't talk about or maybe think about enough. Um, you know, we are often sort of taking in a lot of people's traumas. Um, it might not be our own, but when you're kind of like absorbing this vicarious trauma through a lot of different people every day in your job, it can definitely take a toll on you. And um, I, I strongly suggest that people working on these kinds of stories really do pay attention to their mental health and seek therapy if they need to, find a way to have a release, have a escape from it, um, because it really can pile on. And I think you can only effectively do your job if you're taking care of yourself first. You know, uh, Maddie, one of the things that's always struck me about uh, your work is your ability to uh, not just sort of take a picture, uh, but to, to, to tell a story and to spend some time uh, to help us understand the people that you are that you are photographing. I'm wondering if that, uh, that, that was sort of the intimate personal engagement that, that has uh, been such a hallmark of your work, if that has changed because 
now you have to worry about social distancing. You have to maybe not spend as much time with somebody as you would have once before. As you said, take photographs outside. How how has that that interpersonal dynamic with the subjects you're you're, you're photographing? How has that changed because of the pandemic? I mean, it it has been um, a disappointing or a, a challenging thing because I love photojournalism because these people amazing, amazing people let me into their homes. They let me into their lives. They, they let me see the most intimate moments of who they are. So, you know, the fact that I, every time I'm photographing someone and wearing a mask and I'm kind of staying away and oftentimes not going into their homes, it has changed the dynamic. Um, I still try my best to show their situation with as much empathy and accuracy as possible. But, um, you know, at least for now, we just, like I said, safety is most important. So, the you know, we're doing a lot more outside. We, I'm always wearing PPE. I'm always making sure I disinfect everything all the time. You know, it just, it really has just sort of changed the way in which work. But I know it's not going to be forever. Um, and we're still telling these stories. We're still getting their, our, you know, the messages out, the stories out there. It's just different right now. We need to take a quick moment for station identification. This is Story in the Public Square, where storytelling meets public affairs. An audio version of this show can be heard four times every weekend on Sirius XM Satellite Radio's popular Politics of the United States. That's the POTUS channel, number 124. We produce Story in the Public Square with a great crew at Rhode Island PBS, and we're lucky to work with them. I'm Jim Lutis. On most days, you can find me running the Pell Center at Salve Regina University, in beautiful Newport, Rhode Island. If you want to connect with me on Twitter, you can do so at J.M. Lutus. Joining me as he does every week in the co-host chair is my friend G. Wayne Miller, who is an award-winning journalist with the Providence Journal and the author of 17 books. You can find Wayne on Twitter, too, at G. Wayne Miller. And our guest this week is Maddie McGarvey, an award-winning freelance photojournalist whose work has been seen in major publications like the New York Times, the Washington Post, ESPN, and Rolling Stone, among many others. You can connect with her on Twitter and on Instagram, at Maddie McGarvey. That's M-A-D-D-I-E-M-C-G-A-R-V-E-Y. So in the midst of this pandemic comes the killing by police of George Floyd in Minneapolis, and the Black Lives Matter movement uh, gets new strength, demonstrations, protests across the country and indeed across the world. And you have done a lot of photography of, of that issue, that movement, those people in Ohio. Talk to us about what you have seen and what you've captured and, and the images that you have sent to publications. Well, yeah, I will say that um, it is a little jarring going from staying at home for three months straight and staying, you know, six feet away from everyone to being in a crowd of thousands of people protesting. Um, that was a pretty jarring thing. And, you know, I was, I was taking photos, but I would um, run into friends I haven't seen for the first, you know, seen in three months. And the first time I'm seeing them, we're all kind of getting tear gas together. So it, it has been a little bit of a jarring experience, but um, it has been really interesting and powerful to see these communities all across the country come together. Um, I, I've witnessed some of the most violent um, signs of police, police brutality uh, I've ever seen just half mile up the road from my house. Um, you know, I've been tear gassed. I was 
couple inches away from being shot with a rubber bullet. Um, it seems that some of the police are actually targeting journalists. Um, so it's a really weird time to be covering this when, you know, we, we know we're in the midst of a pandemic. This incredibly important time in history came during that. And, and you know, everyone is just sort of like fighting for, for what's, you know, just and right and for justice. And um, all that coming to a head is, is just interesting. <laughs> like, like I said, not seeing a soul for uh, months and then all of a sudden being a crowd of, of thousands of people. Um, but, but it was really inspiring to see some of the um, peaceful protests in my neighborhood, people working together, marching together, demanding justice, demanding change and action. Um, it's a fascinating time in our history. For those in our audience who maybe haven't, uh, for whatever reasons, been able to, to, to participate in, 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 in in any of the marches or any of the protests what is the how how you know how how conscious of are people of the risk that they're having to take to to protest at this particular moment in time is that does it weigh on people i think it definitely weighs on people but they know it's it's important enough that you just have to kind of take the risk most people i saw um are wearing you know, pull, full masks. I, I posted this photo on Twitter actually of a, um, a hand sanitizer bottle that was like duct taped to a pole in the middle of the demonstrations. And it got, it, like all my photos ever got more likes and you know, <laughs> retweets of anything. And it was just a quick little iPhone pic. But I think that kind of shows that, you know, we're in this, this moment of a pandemic, but people are like, all right, strap the hand sanitizer to the pole. Like we have to do this. Like they're, they're, we can't wait anymore. Like they, they feel charged. They, they have to, they have to demand justice. And um, I think they're willing to take the risk on. So one of the hallmarks of your work, uh, certainly before the pandemic has been the road trip. You, you know, I, I sort of have this image of you as a, the Jack Kerouac of, of the modern photography era. And you, you love to take to the road. Um, one of the trips you took, I think it was about a year ago, you went to Oklahoma, Texas, and then New Mexico. Tell us first why you took that trip, and then tell us what you found. I mean, I, I'm assuming it, it, it's sort of a, a a journey to find the soul of at least a part of America. Talk to us about that. Yeah, um, I one of my favorite things to do in the world is just get in the car and start driving and see what I find. I mean, I it's just such a freeing feeling as a photographer. Um, it can be kind of terrifying too because you. Are expected to come up with some photos and it's you don't know where you're going if you're aimless but yeah i was doing this um a uh, series for new york times opinion about um uh essays about power and so i read 15 essays in like a day and then they just said go anywhere so i hopped on a plane to oklahoma and just started driving and i it was pretty amazing um you know i i'm sort of a naturally shy person um, and I remember specifically like driving down the road um, at sunset in Oklahoma and seeing this like beautiful scene of cowboys wrangling, wrangling their calf and the sun was setting and, and it was just so gorgeous. And I actually drove past it and I like sat on the side of the road and had to give myself a pep talk. <laughs> I was like, okay, I know that you have some anxiety, but you, have, you just have to go talk to them. Like what's the worst that can happen? And so it was actually kind of awkward because I had to like hop three or four fences in order to actually like ask if I could photograph them. So they probably saw this girl hopping all these fences with this camera, but um, but they were like, yeah, for sure, come take photos. And 
I think that's just a good lesson that it's always worth asking and it, it it's always worth it. Like the, the worst thing that could happen is someone say no. And the best thing is I, you know, I spent the evening with some cowboys and got these amazing photos and this amazing experience. Um, so it's just a good reminder to always push yourself out of your comfort zone when you can. So, you know, I want to, I, I don't want to put you too much in your discomfort zone, but so that the idea that, uh, you're naturally shy person i think is the way you describe yourself um and yet you've chosen to sort of uh, uh uh go into a line of work where you are having to put yourself out there to interact with people on, on a regular basis uh you've ever sort of processed that in uh in, in terms of why you were drawn to this kind of work oh yeah i mean <laughs> i I, just, I always, I mean, even to this day, I've been doing this for 10 years and I still get anxiety about approaching strangers because I always think they're going to say, get out of here, you know, like this is, no, you can't take my picture, you know, what, and sometimes it does happen and you just have to have a thick skin and say, okay, that's fine. I respect your wishes and move on. But nine times out of 10 people, they want to like share their story. They are open to sharing their story and having you photograph and especially you know, like if you're nice and, and just form these little relationships, it's just, it's so, it's so worth it. Um, and even if it makes me uncomfortable, <laughs> a lot of the times, um, it's, it's just worth it. I think it's this natural curiosity. I'm so curious about, you know, this world around me. And I always say just the worst that could happen is, is someone would say no. And, and honestly, that it doesn't happen very often. People, people really want to share uh, part of themselves. So I feel really lucky to be able to meet these incredible strangers and, and try to capture something of them. So Maddie, I've been doing this four times longer than you have, and I have the same anxiety still as I did the first time I had to approach a stranger, but we keep doing it because almost always people say yes. And because we're curious and because we're learning and because we have stories that we want to tell or people who have stories that they want to tell. So I have a question um, about another violent event that you covered, and that was the Dayton mass shooting. That happened in August of 2019. Talk to us about that. Yeah, I mean, it was it was awful. It happened in the Oregon district, um, which is a place that I have frequented often. Um, I have friends that live in Dayton that go there all the time. It's the place that you would hang out if you lived in Dayton. So I was about to go to bed and I saw on Twitter this thing happened. So I spent a couple hours just like texting, calling all my friends to make sure they were okay. And then I headed down there um, the next day and it's horrific. I mean, there's, there's no way to make sense of why people do this. And, you know, I had to photograph families collapsing with grief um, who just lost a child that day, um, there was a young man who was in a sling because he had been shot and his best friend was murdered in front of him and he was just breaking down and hugging people. And I mean, I'll never forget that. I, it, it's just, it's so hard to make sense of it. It is truly senseless thing. But I think what was inspiring about the entire situation was the way that Dayton and the community came together. Um, they completely filled the street of uh, the Oregon district for a vigil. Um, our governor DeWine was trying to give a speech and people were just screaming, do something. They were just chanting, you know, it was such a raw, like power, just do something. And um, that sort of became their like battle cry. Like they're still, 
signs in people's front yards is saying, do something. We're, we're tired of this happening over and over and over again. Like something needs to change. This seems to be, you know, a, a recurring refrain in American politics these days. It's just that, that, that we, you know, incident after incident of, 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 uh, of, of uh, young black men dying needlessly at the hands of, of law enforcement of uh mass shootings of uh we can sort of go down the list of things that we're not responding to and it it it, it it's 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 i think frustrating is one word for it but but sort of uh an indictment of where we are politically right now too that uh we have such trauma in our society and we, we can't seem to get our arms around it definitely agree I just, That's my soapbox moment. I apologize. So, Maddie, uh, if you can look ahead to the rest of 2020, uh, do you think do you expect that you're going to get back on the presidential campaign trail? What What do you think that coverage is going to look like going forward? That is a great question, and it's really hard to predict. Um, and if 2020 has taught me anything, it's just to not. I don't know. Don't expect anything because you just never know what's going to happen. But um, I do think that the campaign trail is just going to look so different this year. Um, I, I can't imagine them having rallies where hundreds of people are packed into like gyms and um, stadiums like they normally would. Um, I'm supposed to be going to the RNC and the DNC, so we'll see what that looks like. But yeah, it's it's sort of a wild thing that this is all happening during a presidential campaign year too. Um, I, it's going to be interesting to see how these candidates um, campaign without the campaign trail, without their supporters, without the rallies. Um, I'm just as curious as you guys are about it. Do you have any uh, any plan or any projects in the works? So you, you've done a lot of video, you've done a lot of personal projects. Are you working on anything or even planning or, or hoping to do something aside from what we've been talking about here in terms of COVID and Black Lives Matter and the presidential campaign? Yeah, so the you know the one project I am trying to dive into we touched on before was um, these people who are getting evicted in the middle of a pandemic, like we talked about. Um, I just think it's such an interesting and kind of horrible thing that these people are potentially losing their homes when we are supposed to be sheltering in place. We're supposed to be spending more time at home. We're supposed to not be out interacting with people. Um, so I, I really hope to be able to dive into that more this year. Are you doing video with that too, Maddie, or, or is it just uh, still photography? Just still photography. Um, I'm trying to focus in just on the on the still picture and, uh, you know, kind of leave the video to people who are, are better at it. I, I feel like I've dabbled in it, but I really am drawn more to the still photography. You know, Maddie, we've got literally about uh, 30 seconds left. I'm wondering, when you look at uh, the, the your, your peers, your contemporaries, the other photojournalists out there, uh, are there are there some that you admire, some whose work just sort of speaks to you, and and, and uh, that that well, it just speaks to you. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm inspired by so many photographers. Um, you know, really recently, I think that local news has been doing a phenomenal job. Um, these photographers are being furloughed. You know, like at the Columbus Dispatch, for for instance, they're furloughed a week out of the, every uh, month. They're working on shooting string budgets, but they're still out there every day covering, you know, these protests, covering COVID. Um, I'm inspired by so many different people, but these local newsrooms, I think, deserve so much credit for for covering their communities um, under so much economic and, um, you know, 
budget cuts and all of that. So I have to give them props. I think they're doing a phenomenal job. Well, we want to thank you for the stories that you tell too. She's Maddie McGarvey. You want to look for her in all the best outlets. Uh, that's all the time we have for Story in the Public Square this week. Thank you so much for joining us. For G. Wayne Miller, I'm Jim Lutis, asking you to join us again next time for more Story in the Public Square. going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.